Okay, everybody do like this when we take a big deep breath, let it out. Because that's how I felt after that thing was over, okay? You've been there too. For those that maybe are just joining us now, we are in this series called Fearless, learning to live faithfully even when we might have a little bit of fear or anxiety, a character study of Joshua. Joshua chapter four is where we're gonna be this morning. You've been through moments like that where you went through something that seemed a little life-threatening, a little scary, and you just take that big sigh of relief. It's over, you got to the other side, and I wanted to go celebrate the way I celebrate a steak. Steaks is celebrate, all right? You celebrate with whatever you want to, but mine was a big bone in ribeye. Now, the children of Israel have just been through that same thing. I mean, they have just got to the other side. God had miraculously parted the water on their behalf. They have somehow survived, and you can just imagine that collective sigh of relief. And, uh, you know, we went to dinner that night for some celebration, some reflection. You want to start, you know, kind of doing a little bit of a diagnosis on the lessons that God has taught you. And that's what they're going to do on the other side of the Jordan. Remember, they lived in 40 years of fear and anxiety in this wilderness sanctuary. They finally have crossed over to the land that flows with milk and honey. But they're not going to celebrate with steak. They're going to celebrate, but God's going to tell them to do it in an unusual way. Joshua chapter 4, picking it up in verse 1. Here we go. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest stood firm. Now remember what God told them. I'm not going to part the water until you step into the water. And so many times in our life, we're waiting on God while God is waiting on us. And what we're learning is that when you put your faith in motion, which is obedience in action, then God goes in motion. That's when he begins to part the waters in your life. And so God now tells them, in that same place where I parted the waters and I dried up the bottom of the Jordan so you could cross over, where the priest stood firm, I want you to go back there and pick up 12 stones. And so they're going back into the Jordan and they're picking up 12 stones, probably something about this size. And God's going to tell them, take these 12 stones, put them on your shoulder, I want you to cross back over, and I want you to take these stones and put them on the other side. Now, it says, you shall carry them over with you and leave them there in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever." God was saying, hey, before you celebrate and go get a steak, there's something really important for you to do. I want you to take 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan where I did this miracle, and I want you to take these stones to the other side of the Jordan, and I want you to stack these stones up as a monument and a memorial so that future generations will never forget my miraculous intervention. I want this to be remembered forever. I don't want it to ever be forgotten. I want this memorial 
to be to future generations so that future generations will never forget my divine intervention. You see, what God was telling Joshua is that faith is not meant to be lived privately. Your faith is meant to affect your posterity. You see, faith is meant to be a living legacy, and that's what I want to talk about today, this living legacy, as in the days of Joshua, when Israel crossed over the Jordan, our faith should be a legacy for future generations to follow. And God is telling now Joshua and the children of Israel, I want this moment to not just be a moment in time. I don't want to just mark history. I want it to affect and impact all of eternity. Future generations must remember what happened here, and I want you to see that God is telling them to pass on the faith. Pass it to the next generation. Pass it on to your children and your children's children. You see, that's what a legacy is, all right? Miriam Webster was his name. You might not have uh, known him personally, but you probably have heard of him, right? So Miriam Webster says this about legacy. What is a legacy? Something transmitted by or received from a predecessor or ancestor or from the past. I want you to see, we all have received a legacy and we all one day are going to leave a legacy. And so what type of legacy will you pass on? I received a legacy from my predecessors. I, I have a legacy of integrity that I received my, from, from my father. I have a legacy of tenacity that I received from my mother. That's the legacy that they passed on to me personally. I come from an ancestry of people that were godly. They have passed on the faith from one generation to the next. Now somebody says, well, Phil, that's great for you, but you don't understand. That's not the family I came from. I mean, I don't have a godly pedigree. You, I mean, you should hear about my family. I mean, I have a legacy of alcoholism or drug addiction or divorce or infidelity. Here's the beautiful thing God is telling you. You have the power today to begin a brand new family tree spiritually. Today is the day that you get to redefine the trajectory of your posterity. You see, that's what these Jews are doing in the ancient days. Remember, this generation didn't have a great legacy to come from. Their parents are the ones that refused to cross over into the promised land. Their parents' legacy was of doubt and disobedience and fear and insecurity and faithlessness. And all their parents have died in the wilderness, but a new generation has now arisen, their children, and they've said, we don't want that legacy. We want our legacy to be one of faith and obedience and trust and fearlessness. And so they are redefining now their legacy. I want you to see something. We are all in some way products of our past, but we do not have to be prisoners of our past. This generation is not a prisoner of their past, and they're not gonna be embodied by the faithless generation that came before them. They have a legacy that they're going to leave, that they were the generation that crossed out of that wilderness sanctuary where there was not sense of being risky, and they weren't gonna live dangerously, and they were only gonna do what was easy. They are the generation that crossed over into the land that would flow with milk and honey. Let me ask you, what will your legacy be? Yes, you have received one, but now's your chance to redefine one and then eventually to leave one. And that's what these memorial stones were going to be. It says in verse 20, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. 
Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, That Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until he crossed over, and that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So you say, I want these stones to be a memorial to future generations. What is a memorial? A memorial is meant to memorialize a memory. But in this case, it's not a dead memory of a dead memorial of a dead people and a dead event. No, this was to be a living memorial that this memory of what God did in Israel's history would in some way not just be a memory of the past, but help future generations find their way forward. And that's what a legacy is. That's what God wants from all of us individually and you and I corporately as a church family, as a church body. Now what happens when we don't pass on the faith? All right, it says in Judges 2 and verse 10, the very next book of the Bible after Joshua, within just two or three generations after the generation of Joshua and those that crossed over, check it out. Judges 2.10 says, there arose a new generation that knew not the Lord. You see, in the days of Joshua, they set up the memorial stones, but then they failed to pass on the faith eventually to their children and their children's children, so that in the days of Judges, the generation didn't know the true and living God. They'd forgotten the great works of the true and living God, so they were a generation that would fall into idolatry and anarchy and eventually go into captivity. And I would suggest to you that the very same thing is happening today that happened many, many many years ago, that this history, in some way, is our story personally. Do you realize that we are living in a society of absolute moral anarchy? We live in a nation that's morally in a state of erosion. And the reason why is one generation failed to pass on the faith to the next generation. We failed to be the memorial stones in our children's lives, in our children's children's lives. Social scientists all agree, George Barna being one of them, but they all really say the same thing. All the stats really tell the story of what has happened in our nation in recent history. The World War II generation, according to George Barna, was 64% Christian, 64% had a true Christian worldview. Now, their children, the baby boomers, 32% Christian, 32% worldview. The next generation, my generation, Generation X, 16% of us have a truly Christian worldview, and then our children, the millennials, 4% of them have a truly Christian worldview. What's happened? One generation failed to pass on the faith to the next generation. So consequently, morally and spiritually, the foundation of our nation is in erosion. I want you to see that is why we do so much of what we do at Abundant Life. I want you to see that's why we have what we're doing this Saturday night in this auditorium, a family worship night for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to come together in one place and one time to worship the living God together. It's a chance for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to put out a memorial stone in their children's lives. 
This is why so much of what we do, listen, historically, ministry to children has been just that, ministry to children. That at Abundant Life, children's ministry is no longer ministry just to children, it's increasingly ministry to moms and dads. Can I tell you why? Because we learned a long time ago that the number one place children grow up to know and love the living God is not in the church house, it's in your house, it's in my house. The number one place children grow up to know and follow the true and living God is not merely by Sunday school and dropping them off at Journey Kids on a Sunday morning and delegating out your responsibility to your children's pastors. Listen carefully. Your pastors can access a child's head, but nobody like mom and dad can access a child's heart. That's why we do this Journey Today show. We want every mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, to have the chance to have at least one faith talk a week with their children. And we want to give you the tools to do that. I want you to see what happens practically, generation after generation, when we fail to put out the memorial stones of the memory of the true and living God in the life of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, one generation fails to pass it on to the next. Here's where we are now as a nation. A moral free fall where on January the 22nd of this year, the state of New York, they passed the most aggressive and barbaric law ever in the history of the abortion movement in our society. It is now legal in the state of New York to abort a baby just hours away from being born. I'm talking about aborting babies in the birth canal. It is evil. And they pass this legislation, you can YouTube it if you want to, and they throw a party on the floor of the New York place of legislation. They're celebrating what God abhors. Absolute depravity. Yes, Lord have mercy. What has happened that good is called evil, evil is called good. I want you to see we live at a time that black is now white, white is black, up is now down, down is now up. Everything has been turned on its head. Complete moral anarchy. It begins with moral apathy. Apathy spiritually where we no longer care about the things of God. And from apathy, it goes to apostasy, where we're now turning from the things of God. And from apostasy, it goes to anarchy, where we are now rejecting the things of God, and every man does what is right in his own eyes. It is illegal to put to death by lethal injection in the state of New York a serial killer or rapist, but it is perfectly legal to put to death a baby in the womb, in the birth canal of all places, just hours before it's born by lethal injection. And do you realize the very next day, Virginia was trying to pass a similar bill. It failed. They interviewed the governor of that state that ironically is a neonatal surgeon. Well, what would happen theoretically if we're doing abortions with babies in the birth canal? What if they live? What then? Here's exactly what he said. Well, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The doctor would try to keep the baby comfortable, and then the doctor and the mother would have a conversation. They would have a discussion about what to do with the baby, either kill it or what has happened to us I'll tell you what's happened to us one generation has failed to reach the next that's the fruition 
when we don't put out the memorial stones of our life, the legacy that we leave behind. And this, in essence, is what God is now telling Joshua. Let it never happen in your nation as it's happening even now in our nation. It's urgent that you and I together put out the memorial stones in our children's lives and not just uh, uh, our lives individually as a family, but corporately as a church body. That's what we are as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the days of Joshua, these memorial stones were meant to serve as a reminder to future generations of Israel's faith in God and God's faithfulness to them. Now, let me ask you, has there ever been a time in your life that you put out the memorial stones? Do your children know your story? You see, a memorial is meant to tell a story. It's meant to help tell a memory. Uh, do your children know the work of God in your life? Do your grandchildren know the work of God in your life? If you've never thought about doing this, I, I just wanna encourage you this week, maybe uh, take a step and write it down. What has God done in your life? In what ways has God moved in your life? Because one day, as a memorial stone, your life is going to speak long after your life is over. What will you leave spiritually as a legacy for your children and your children's children? You see, we're called to be memorial stones. Uh, we all need memorial stones in our life. Uh, and your life itself is a memorial stone, a memorial stones of our faith. They serve to remind us that God is faithful in times of our lives where we might otherwise be fearful. And so they were going into battle with a real race of giants. And you can imagine at times the fear in the days of Joshua, the uncertainty, the insecurity, as they were facing a real race of giants in the promised land. And I know that this memorial stone was meant for them to draw strength from. In other words, as they thought about what God did, as God parted the Jordan, it would in some way fortify their faith and strengthen their faith when they otherwise would have been fearful in the face of their enemies. You see See, we all need those moments in our life to draw from. I have some memorial stones in my life. If you were to come into my office, you would see what looked like just some random stuff. They don't mean anything to you, but they mean something to me. I'll give you an example, right? Here's, here's an example of uh, what I'm talking about here. This is a brick, and it is in my office. Now, if I didn't tell you, this would mean nothing to you. In fact, it might even be a little weird that Pastor Phil has a random brick sitting in his office. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you, this is a memorial stone. This brick actually is a brick that I saved from our original building. This building no longer exists. Right down the street, this little building once existed. It was formerly a kingdom hall before we bought this building and started having church in it. A little broken down brick building was the beginning. I saved this brick as we were tearing it down. You know why? Because I never want to forget where we came from. You see, as you retrace the steps to your past, in essence, you are tracing the steps to the future. And this brick is a memorial stone in my life. It's a memory that will last forever, a memory of a time I know God moved mightily as there was this little church in Lee Summit, Missouri that was maybe just days, if not weeks, from closing its door forever. This little church that had no pastor, the pastor had resigned, and I want you to see there was nobody to preach, and on a Tuesday night they called this cop to fill in one Sunday. 
And he thought it would be one and done, seriously. I mean, he just barely started seminary. He didn't have really any training. He didn't know what he was doing. I mean, one and done. But then one sermon led to another sermon, then led to another sermon, and 19 years later, it leads to another sermon. And I'm gonna tell you, it's all the work of God. You see, this memorial stone belongs at the foot of the cross because it's not a tribute to how good we are, how good I am, but how faithful Jesus is. I mean, I can tell you the story. This church should not even exist today. It shouldn't even be here. They had this cop filling in preaching. That's just weird. I mean, who's ever heard of that? We had one staff member the youth slash worship pastor, and on the last Sunday of 1999, this cop who was preaching that day had to make a horrible, horrible declaration to the church. Our one staff member we had left, the one leadership we had left was in an affair and a moral failure, had to resign from ministry. I remember thinking that day, this could be the nail in the coffin. This could be the last Sunday we ever meet. But it wasn't. And I remember preaching that day, I don't even remember what I said, but the altar call was clear. If you today would commit to the future of this church and dig in and not let it die, I'm gonna ask you to come right now to this altar and we're gonna get on our face before God and we're gonna ask the God of heaven to come save our church. And there might have been 25 adults here that day, but we all got on our face together, not a dry eye in the place, and we called out to the God of heaven to save our church. And guess what God did in that little brick building? That God of heaven heard our prayer. Guess what Jesus said? That upon this rock himself, he'll build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And it was, a, it was a move of God that was really undeniable, though unexplainable. And I've said before, if we can explain it, God didn't do it. That's a memorial stone in my life. And there have been times in the 19 years since, you see, that I have moments of doubt or seasons of fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And God, it doesn't seem like you're there. And God, you're not moving anymore. But I go back here and I think to myself, God, you did that here. You didn't do that here to abandon us now here. So you need those moments in your life that you can draw from when you don't see God moving in your life and it feels like God has abandoned you and God doesn't hear your prayer. You, you draw from those memories, those memorial stones where you know God moved mightily and there, you go back there when you're here, you go back there and you think, well, God did that here and God did it here and God did it here. He's gonna do it again here. And it fortifies your faith during times of fear and insecurity and doubt. I want you to see God has done it over and over again. This is a, a, a cup. Now, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's, it's, it's worthless. You couldn't sell this for a nickel at a garage sale. I mean, it, really. What it says, though, is ALBC building dedication, June the 1st, 2003. Now, the story behind the story here, you had to be there to get it. Here's the story behind the story. Uh, our contractor told us, yeah, you will be ready to go. You'll have your first service by June the 1st, no problem. Well, that was about two months before. And of course, what always happens is uh, it's never on time. So we had hundreds of these cups made June the 1st. June the 1st wasn't our first service at all. It's actually June the 22nd. It's a memorial stone, it's a memory. How about God move mightily, even though the cup is wrong? It's, it's a memory 
and all of our posterity will be forever confused by that. Uh, it says June the 1st, it wasn't June the 1st. What you have here is a picture hanging on my wall. This is a memorial stone. Uh, it's on my wall, it's a picture of an eagle. And you can't see what's engraved there, but it's Isaiah 40 and verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31 is the passage I preached from, the first ever sermon on a Sunday morning, first time I ever preached in this church. And uh, after the church called me to be their pastor, they gave me this picture. They wrote on the back of it, congratulations, Pastor Phil, on your first pastorate, my only pastorate. <laughs> I still hope my only pastorate. Amen. Haven't changed my mind, hope you haven't either. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit insecure up here. <laughs> he said, this print is to commemorate your first message brought to us. We love you and will continue to pray for you and your beautiful family as we embark on this new adventure. And that's what we were doing. That's what we were doing. We were embarking on an unbelievable adventure. Hey, if you're bored in the Christian life, it's because you're still in the wilderness. You're still playing it safe. Uh, the wilderness is a false sense of security. It's where you don't wanna do anything that seems risky. But on this particular time in the season of my life, the season of our church, we cross the Jordan. And on the other side of the Jordan, the adventure begins. And I will never forget what God was doing in this season. It was unbelievable. You know what Jesus said? That with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And we began God seeing, seeing God do impossible things, uh, unexplainable things, supernatural things. The problem is most of us never get to see God do the supernatural because we never attempt what looks like the impossible. But we put our faith in motion, and that put God in motion. He began parting the water in our life. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to these moments in seasons of doubt where, God, I don't see you moving. It's like, God, have you abandoned me? And I go back to these moments, and I think, wait a minute, God did not do that here to not do it again here. God did not do that here to not do it again here. You see, those memorial stones are meant to shape us and fortify our faith in times of fear, times of doubt. And God was doing something in my life. You see, he wants our church to be a memorial stone, but our lives themselves are to be memorial stones. He always shaping us and making us. I'm telling you guys, I came here with so much to learn. I really did. I came here with a sense of spiritual arrogancy. Now, you wouldn't have thought, oh, Phil, he's an arrogant guy. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Spiritual arrogancy is a sense of self-sufficiency. Uh, this, this is what I used in my, my former occupation. This was one of the tools of the trade. I was really good with this thing. You know what this is? This is a battering ram. This is what I did for a living. I kicked in doors for a living. Bam! Door shut. Bam! I never found a door I couldn't get through. Bam! If a door still closed, hit it again. Bam! I mean, that's what I did. I was really good at getting through doors that were shut. I never found a door I couldn't get through. Hey, as a cop, what do you do? I was trained to take control of situations that were out of control, and I was really good at taking control of situations that were out of control. 
And I had that same mentality then when I came here as a pastor, we're gonna kick tail and take names for Jesus. (laughs) Take no prisoners. That was my mentality. See, I knew theologically, Jesus said, apart from you can do nothing, but practically, I mean, we were gonna kick in whatever doors we had to, but it wasn't long before I realized there's some doors that you cannot get through no matter how bad you want to. And I was used to being in control and taking control. What do you do when now you're in a situation for which you have no control? And I found right away that there's a lot of situations over which I have no control. Here's the reality. God uses this on your life occasionally. He used on me one of these many years ago as I woke up underneath an 18-wheeler semi. He literally dropped an 18-wheeler, bam, into my life. It was life-changing. But he doesn't want to use this near as much as he would really prefer to use this and to use this. See, he wants you to become a memorial stone, a legacy of faith. And over the course of those times of fear in your life and doubt in your life and those times of uncertainty and you don't see God moving, he is simply taking you and remaking you. He wants to shape you into a person of great faith so that you're more faithful than you are fearful and he does it through a chisel. And the chisel is often very painful. But God does not have, you see, a pampering love. He has a pruning love because he wants to take you into a memorial stone, a faith testimony, a legacy that will last forever, not just for your family, but eventually even into eternity. What are the memorial stones in your life that would define your faith journey? I have several. Uh, This is just a random rock. If you come into my office, it's on my shelf. But it's not random to me. This is a memorial stone literally in my life. A a season in our church where we were once again attempting the impossible. We've done this over and over again. I've told you every finish line has to be another starting line. You go right back to the Jordan and you do it again. And this was a season where we were building the kids wing for the first time and we were preparing to build the core over there so our students could have a place to meet. And uh, it was a time of great growth and we didn't know what we were going to do, and it was a time where uh, we were landlocked and we had nowhere to go, and I preached a, a message out of this very same passage, and we put a pile of rocks on the platform, and it was a, it called a power of a pile of rocks, and we had this, uh, this initiative we called Forward by Faith. Like we're calling this one Fearless, a two-year initiative where we're asking God to do impossible things. Well, this thing was called Forward by Faith and we had a goal of seven million in 70 months because we wanted to do all of it and we wanted to get that free as a church family and everybody that was a part of that came and took one of these rocks. I still have it to this day and it's a memory, it's a memorial that God once again did the impossible things because once again we put our faith in motion, we acted on the vision and then God brought the provision. You see, most of us always wait on the provision to act on the vision. No, if you put your faith in motion, then God goes in motion. And it was a season unprecedented of unbelievable growth. Now, when I think of these memorial stones, I don't just think of the buildings that we built. I think of the lives that were changed. 
I think of Lori Gagne, Ed and Lori Gagne haven't come to our church in years, they moved to Hiawatha several years ago, but I think Ed and Lori was the first family that came and joined our church after we relaunched as Abundant Life and Lori and Ed came one day, and honestly guys, this was a big deal back then. It was like, somebody came back again? Wow. And then they came back again? Whoa. And then they came to join our church, and we're like, hey, somebody wants to join us. Seriously? And Lori Gagne was the first person I remember giving her life to Christ praying to receive him as Lord and Savior, the first person after we became Abundant Life. And hundreds and hundreds have followed. You see, that is the real memorial stone, a legacy of faith. The church is not bricks and mortal and stained glass and steeples. The church is people. The church is about the transformed lives, the, the lives that have been changed ultimately by Jesus. If you see this, this is in my office. It says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. You say, Phil, what does that mean? I, I don't have a clue what it means. I just liked it, okay? I just liked it. All right, here, here's, here's one. Here's a new brick. I got it next to the old brick. You know why? Because this brick represents the, the future. That brick represents the past. This is one of the bricks that was used for the patio right outside the cafe. As you can see now, the patio is a brick short. So if you go out there and you say, there's supposed to be a brick there, now you know where it's at. Once again, we were attempting impossible things, to do impossible things. It looked like there was no chance, no hope. Every time we tried to move off-site, uh, we, we couldn't find property to move off-site. We're in this landlocked place on Purcells, and we could not have fathomed, we could not have dreamed that eventually what was going to be here was you and me. God moved mightily. I'm gonna save that story for another time because I didn't say it. I didn't tell you the story in the first service or second service, so I'm not gonna tell you in the third service. I'm sorry. I, 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 I got a story I wanna share. I wanna say, okay, you got time? Okay, I got time, you got time. They didn't hear it first and second. You're getting the full meal deal now, okay? So, I'll try to make it quick. What was supposed to be right where we sit now? was a Macy's department store. Yeah, seriously. So we thought God was parting the waters. We were landlocked, we didn't have any parking. I know it's still not great, but we had even less, okay? Uh, and there was, a, there was a retail shopping center coming in to this very location. It used to be a Dessa Auto Auction, and uh, it was gonna be uh, a retail shopping center called CityWalk. And it was coming in front of the city. We thought this is God parting the water because they were gonna let us borrow the parking lot of Macy's on Sunday morning. So we thought this is the answer to our prayers. God, you are parting the waters. That is awesome. And they said, well, Macy's is gonna be the anchor. It's gonna be right here. You can, you can use the parking lot. And I'll never forget, guess what went in instead of City Walk, Summit Fair. They're both going head to head. The city chose Summit Fair instead of this one here. I was so disappointed, so disappointed. I was sure this is how God was parting the water. You know what? Thank God for unanswered prayers. Thank God for unanswered prayers. 
that profound disappointment became a memorial stone. You know what God was doing all along? What we could not see, he could see. He was saying, guys, I don't want a Macy's there. I want a church there. We wouldn't be here if Macy's was here. I don't know where we would be, but we wouldn't be here. Odessa Auto Auction moved to another suburb. We bought the back 11 acres off of them, and all these years later, here we are. You see, that's a memorial stone. Sometimes you think you know what God is gonna do, but you cannot see what God is gonna do. Many of you know what this is about. We had this Imagine campaign right before we had this Fearless campaign. In the last two years, we asked God to do impossible things. Somebody gave this to me to commemorate that two-year journey as a church body. We wanted to start a church. God let us start two churches. We wanted to uh, build this food pantry. That was just a dream. Now it's a reality. Uh, we wanted to see God pay off $5 million of our church debt as a family. And in two years, God didn't do $5 million. He helped us do $6.8 million. You see, that imagination became a real destination. Two years ago, none of that was here, but now it's a reality. We put our faith in motion. God went back in motion. We acted on the vision before we had the provision. God brought the provision because we said yes to the vision. I'm telling you, that's always how God moves. Now listen, this one is very special to me. This is what's called a weeble wobble. It's a real toy. It's a real weeble wobble. Notice it's a blonde-haired weeble wobble. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> that is a blonde-haired weeble wobble. It sits on my shelf in my office. It's a memorial stone. You know why? Because it's a memory of my mother. She would call herself a weeble wobble. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. You see, she gave me a legacy of tenacity. She had a whatever it takes mentality, never retreat from adversity. She had a never say die, never give in, never give up, pit bull mentality. That was her legacy. But listen very carefully. Her hope was not in herself. Her hope was in Jesus. She was one of the strongest people I ever knew because her strength was in Jesus. This belongs where all these other memorial stones belong. And I want you to see that is the legacy she left me, her family, her posterity. What legacy will you leave yours? What legacy will you leave your children and your children's children? I want you to see that we need memorial stones in our lives and all of our lives themselves are memorial stones. And this is what Peter meant when he said these words. He said in 1 Peter 2, verse 4, coming to him as a living stone, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. 1 Peter 2, 7 says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You see, before Jesus, you're just like this stone. You are stone dead. Ephesians 2.1, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. But when you come to faith in him, you become a living stone. When you put your faith in him, you're forgiven of your sin. It's what Jesus called being born again. And all of a sudden, he gives life to your spirit that was once dead. And for the last 2,000 years, what Peter is teaching is that the church 
is a spiritual building, not a dead building of dead stones, but a building of living stones. Jesus being the cornerstone in an ancient construction, the cornerstone was the most important stone. And on top of Jesus as the cornerstone, God has been building his church. Ephesians 2.20 says, the foundation then is the apostles and the prophets, and then you and I, for the last 2,000 years, one stone after another after another. He's laid on top of the foundation of the apostles and the prophets to be a spiritual house, a living, breathing memorial to our city and all of our posterity. For generations to come clear into eternity. You see, there's power in a pile of stones. As living stones, our lives, our church, should be a living memorial and legacy of God's grace in our faith. If you go out to the story room, we talk a lot about the story room. It's just a good place to gather. You go by it probably every single week. You may not even know it's there, but what you see in the wall of the story room is a time capsule. And in that time capsule, was the first service in this new auditorium, December the 6th, 2015. And in addition to that first service in that time capsule is a personal message from me to that future pastor, whoever he is, wherever he is. Not only that, but you have an open letter from our church of 2015 to that future church of 2045. And of course you have the Kansas City Star front page from December the 6th, 2015. That's what's in this, this time capsule. And if you look at it close, it says to be opened December 2045. You know why we did this? Because we are to be a living memorial. We are to pass on the faith to those that come behind us. Now there's nothing special about 30 years. It's 30 years, 2015, 2045. You know why we chose 30 years? Because the beauty of that day in 2045 is there will be some in this auditorium on that day who are here on this day. Living memorials. Now not all of us will be here. Some of us won't be here next year. It ought to be a reminder to live urgency, to leave the right legacy. But we chose 30 years, you know why? Because there will be a lot of people that are there that are currently here. If you're a teenager or a 20-something, guess what, in 2045, you're gonna be middle-aged. Yeah, it's gonna happen to you too. And if you're middle-aged right now, where does that leave you? If I'm alive, I'll be 77. And you know what that time capsule is? It's a memorial, it's a message we are sending to those that come behind us. It's our legacy. That as they open that up in December 2045 and they hear again that sermon preached 30 years earlier and they read that open letter from our church today as we challenge them to get a fresh vision, to act on the vision, to see lives changed by Jesus. Do you see we are sending the message on ahead as memorial stones today? And that is the power of your life. That's the potential of our life. There is power in a pile of stones. It was a pile of stones that built the Taj Mahal, one of the most famous buildings. 
ever in history. It was a pile of stones that built the pyramid. What are these? These are memorials of a bygone people, a dead people, an ancient history. But we have the chance with these stones to be living stones that will continue to speak long after our life is gone. There is power in a pile of stones, memorial stones. It was stones that built the Great Wall of China. I want you to see there's potential and power in a pile of stones, not dead stones, but living stones. You see, we come to him as a living stone, and then he begins taking a hammer and a chisel. Jesus, 1 Corinthians 10, 4, is the rock. And as children of God, if Jesus is the rock, then God wants to make us a chip off the old block so that when the world looks at us and the world remembers us, they see Jesus and they remember Jesus. And guys, this is what God is doing in those times of great fear in your life of anxiety. Listen, some of us here are living our worst fears. We feared we would lose our marriage and then it happened. We feared we would lose our mate and then it happened. We feared we would lose our health and it really happened. We're living our worst fears, guess what? God hasn't abandoned you. He's simply making you a living memorial through all the pain, through all the tears, through all the suffering. I hate to admit this to you. I would love for you to think, Pastor Phil, he's a SWAT cop. He can do anything. But I won't let you live with that false persona of me. Listen, there have been twice in 19 years that I've been through a season of such pain, such difficulty, such suffering that I would have quit if I could. I couldn't quit because I'm called, and if you're called, you can't quit. Let me ask you, have you ever in a time of your life just wanted to quit? Just wanted to give up, give in. What you're going through hurts so bad your worst fears and everything in you wants to quit you can't quit you know why because you're called as a child of God you've been called out God is calling you and he's simply taking this time to remake you and shape you knocking off the rough edges knocking off all the pride, maybe the sin, the compromise. He wants to bring you in the place he wanted to bring me through those times of suffering. Listen carefully. He was bringing me to a deeper place of humility, which is dependency. To eliminate the need for control, the need for self-sufficiency. And there was once a stone, much larger than this stone, 14 feet tall, and it was given to a artist, it was given to a sculptor to make something beautiful out of it, but all he could see were the imperfections. All he could see were the flaws. He'd get no inspiration for it. He gave it to his students. They worked on it, but they could get no inspiration. It was just too full of imperfections. This stone is a lot like us, full of imperfections, full of fears, full of flaws. 
And after 15 years, they tossed it out. They threw it away. But do you know what the world throws out, God picks up. And where everybody else sees our imperfections, God sees the potential. And the stone light and the rubble literally thrown out, forgotten until one day, 25 years later, a master sculptor was walking by and saw it. And instead of seeing only the imperfections, he saw the potential. He picked it up. He redeemed it. A picture of Jesus. He picks up what the world has thrown away. When everybody else has given up, he wants to take you and remake you because there is power in a pile of stones. He wants to make your life a living legacy, a living memorial. And he begins shaping you and remaking you, you see that sculptor was Michelangelo. And that piece of marble that others had thrown out would become the most famous sculptor in all of history. His name is David. And today you can go see him in Florence, Italy. The master sculptor retook it and remade it into something beautiful, something special that 500 years later, people come from around the world to see. Now, it's cut away from the waist up because David's naked, all right? Don't go Google it. Just prepare yourself if you do. But you see, he could see what others couldn't see. And I want you to see that if you will surrender control of your life to Christ, and you come to the cross and say, Jesus, I'll let you have all of me. He's gonna take you and remake you into something absolutely amazing, a master craftsman. If you will take whatever you have, this, this stone with all of its imperfection, with all of its flaws, and let me tell you something, it's heavy and it's hard, but if you will take it with all these other memorial stones and you will set it before the cross and you let Jesus have all of you, I will promise if you will surrender your life, you're gonna become a memorial stone for others to follow, not just now, but forever. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I pray for every person in this place that not one among us would miss the opportunity to have a faith legacy. God, I pray our church could be a living memorial to our city, not just now, but for generations to come. And corporately, that we would be those living stones that one day others that come behind us will follow. And I pray for every mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, every single person, young adult, teenager, that each of us would see the opportunity to begin defining the future today, to begin redefining a family tree spiritually, regardless of our past, that we get to redefine present. God, take us and remake us so when the world sees us, what they see is Jesus, living proof of a loving God to a watching world in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, give him glory with me, would you? He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? 
love y'all very deeply, I really do. I, I'm not trying to get all mushy on you, but every single person here holds a piece of my heart. And the longer you've come, the more of my heart you hold. You know why? Because we got memories of seeing God do the unexplainable things on this journey together. There are people here, pastors and others wanna to minister to you. Some of you need to come this way while others are going that way. Something in your life you just need prayer for. Uh, some of you just have a, a thing you need somebody to minister to you. That's why they're here. You come quickly. Have a really blessed day. God bless you. God go with you.